best four days of gaming at a convention in another town? I remember gaming for six days straight in my parents' basement, and all we had was Mountain Dew, frozen pizza, and a mixtape made up of the Alan Parsons Project, Tangerine Dream, and the Conan the Barbarian soundtrack. That's how you game. Hello gamers, welcome back to episode 2 of the Grognards. My name's Dean Geiken and sitting to my right is... Eric Holly, And to my left... Greg Ziegler. And welcome to our second episode. And today, our DM is going to be, once again, Eric, you're going to be DMing this session. So, without further ado... Take it away, DM. Yeah, I might end up DMing a lot of the sessions because I'm used to DMing. <laughs> I'm, I'm a DM too, but you know, sometimes I like to be a player. That is true. Um, we've gotten I, a great response from the first podcast. I think uh, you guys would agree, right? Oh yeah, I think so. Yes. Yep. And uh, we've sort of, you know, we refine as we go along. And one of our goals doing these podcasts is to be informative as well as entertaining. And uh, this episode, I think, is uh, we're hoping to be an informative episode. We're going to talk about conventions. Because we are at the beginning of convention season. Even though conventions go all throughout the year, we're kind of hitting the high point. And they could be listening to this podcast at any time. So we're at uh, the end of April. Um, generally, the conventions happen uh, in the spring, summer, fall, winter sorts sort of a dead time. We have uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, so not a lot of stuff going on during there. But... Uh, a lot of gamers don't attend conventions, and uh, I'm not sure why, you know. Well, um, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm a newcomer to conventions, but uh, for me, it was my locality. I was very far away from them, but I, that was also because I was a poor student and couldn't afford, you know, to drive or take that time off. But I honestly didn't even know about conventions. Um, I knew of Gen Con, but that was as far away as... You know, that was up in Lake Geneva, and I was in central Illinois, and that could have just as well been oh, cry, Las Vegas. Cry me. Cry me a river. I was living on the East Coast. Gen Con was a thousand miles away when I was I started gaming. Well, I had also have, had a car that was lucky to go 60 miles yeah. at one shot. So, Yeah, that was way too far for me to go back in the 80s as well. But yeah. we do go to conventions now, and I think that between the three of us, We've got a pretty good, solid uh, knowledge base of what to do at conventions, what to expect at conventions, how to make your convention experience better. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so uh, let's just I, get on I, it. I think one of the hurdles is people are intimidated. If you've never been to a convention, you have no idea what you're walking into. I would well, agree. And part of the problem these days is the one convention everybody knows about, whether you know about geek culture or not, is you know about Comic-Con in San Diego. Yeah, which is arguably probably the worst convention. It really is. It's, yeah. it's, From a it's, just, it's just become this giant media circus, and yeah. it is so not representative of any kind of normal convention. Yeah, and what is the cost to get in just for a single day? It's like 40 bucks or something. But that's my view on Comic-Con. I'm paying money to be able to spend money, which makes no sense. Well, I, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't I've been a couple times, uh, my, you know, my daughter co cosplays, so she loves to dress up and go, and that's fun, but if you have to pay $40 to walk in and do shopping, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I've never attended a panel at Comic-Con or anything like that. I attended a Comic-Con up in Chicago, and it was $60 for the day. I mean, it might be that. I've and all I experienced was lots and lots of people waiting in lines to pay more money to get autographs and then go to panels. Um, I was looking for some aspect of gaming 
So, and I didn't really find it. So, Comic Cons is not what we're talking about no, here. No, they, they're more marketing conventions. But they're, Greg is right that that is the one that everybody knows about, and that is intimidating because it is so huge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, first thing is when you go to a dedicated gaming convention, the vast majority of your experiences are going to be positive. Everybody's there because they love the hobby. And they're going to help you. They're going to. Yeah, if you say, fair. "I don't know what I'm doing," someone is going to say, hey, "I'll help you out." Yes. You know? I, I mean, we're a perfect example of that gamers like to talk about gaming. Exactly. Exactly. So if that's that's your worry, don't. You can walk into almost any convention without even pre-registering in most cases, and they will find you something to do. Some game might not be your first choice, but they'll find you something to play. Absolutely. So if you're intimidated by that, drop that. The only intimidation you might have is is the cost and, now, and, and the drive. That's the second thing. So you know, there's a lot of different conventions. Uh, Gen Con. How much do you spend at Gen Con in a year, Dean? Uh, well, okay, the ticket is $110 um, for a person. That's what it is right now. And how many days is that? That's four days, though. You That's break it down. That's four days in gaming, apparently. You're yeah. right. And you break that down. That's actually pretty cheap if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got your hotel costs, and that can be... And you can speak on this a little better than I can, Eric, because I've never stayed in the downtown housing block, and that's what they call, you know, people who sign up to get close to the convention. I've never stayed in those hotels, and those hotels can run three to $600 a day. At Gen Con, it's 2 to 250 is what you pay if you're going through the housing portal. Really? Okay. Because I've been seeing and hearing people paying yeah, upwards if you of book out, Which is another trick we'll talk about later yeah. on. But. but, okay, so to answer your question... For the four days, and this is with a family of four, including food and driving, I actually am pretty conservative, and I'm going to say a thousand bucks. Yeah, I I spend more than that. I spend a thousand on housing. I probably spend two to three thousand dollars at Gen Con, but we have turned it into a family vacation, and so have I. And, and I know other couple families that do that. Gen Gen Con is there. One time summer vacation, they go, they get there on Wednesday the day before and they stay until Sunday night. And that is exactly what we do. It's not necessarily our one time family vacation, but like you say, Eric, it is our end of the summer celebration. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, when we're done with this podcast, I'm driving up to a town called Farmer City and there's a Boy Scout fundraiser. They host a convention and I'm driving 20 miles and I'm paying $10 to get in. Exactly. So you can have a thousand dollars for a weekend or ten yeah. bucks. Gen Con is not your typical convention. No. That's that's no that big that's big. the that is definitely the top end of the spectrum. So th- that leads us to how do people find out about conventions? How do you know? That's great if there are conventions, but how do you know where they are? In the old days, you were either subscribed <clears throat> to a magazine or word of mouth. But the now good we old have the Dragon you know, Magazine, the wonderful internet. Yes, and um, there's several websites. Um, Warhorn.net is a site that conventions will frequently uh, post on, and they have a huge list all over the country. And also, uh, they do event signups there, so you can register for the convention and sign up for what games you want to play. You generally walk into the convention at the registration table, they hand you a packet, you're good to go. So warhorn.net's very popular. Uh, The other one is tabletop.events. Uh, that's similar to Warhorn. The interface is slightly different. Um, in speaking with convention organizers, it's it's sort of five of one or six of one, half dozen of the other. Uh, they have different procedures for how people pay because most conventions you do have to pay something. It does cost cost money to hold these things, but um, usually it's not not crazy. 
Um, if you're into D&D Adventures League, if you go to dndadventuresleague.org, they have a convention map. You can scroll in on your part of the country and see what's coming up. Um, and then I've never been to this one. Dean, have you been to the... This is one that I found, and I use it a lot. This is called the uh, CasualGamerRevolution.com. Casual uh, Gamer Revolution. Or, I'm sorry, Casual Game Revolution. Okay. Casual Game Revolution. And it lists all of the conventions around the world. And it has a map with little little, little pins. points, pins everywhere. And it's, uh, again, casualgamerevolution.com forward slash game dash cons dash 2018. And granted, you have to, sub, uh, not subscribe, but submit your convention to the site. But they also do some data gathering themselves. And I found out about some conventions that I had no idea were even close by. They're within an hour, maybe two hours of Yeah, that. there's a lot of small conventions that... that uh, places are putting on the local game shop where I game on Wednesday nights. They're having GopherCon um, in June. They decided they wanted to have a Adventures League based convention, and they found some some people to run it. They're putting it on there in a mall, so they have a huge amount of space if they request it. Is it all only going to be Adventure League? I believe so. Yeah, they uh, they're it's still starting to play, but they just came up with this idea three weeks ago, and it's going to happen and in June. And that's the cool thing about conventions. You just got to have enough people with enough wherewithal and willingness. and you can Yeah, get if you have a group of people with a similar interest and they all want to get together on one day and, and have fun, you have a convention. Yep. That's how Gen Con started back in 1967. Exactly. or yep. Yeah, 67. Yeah, and it was what? They had how many people? Like there? 100. 80 oh, or yeah. something. Yeah, it was, less, it was less than 100. One. Right. And now <laughs> on the average day, there's 70,000 people yeah. at Gen yeah. Con. So. Um, so we sort of covered this briefly but there's different kinds of conventions we're primarily talking about gaming conventions but there's also anime conventions there's uh entertainment based conventions that's what comic con has sort of become especially the san diego one it's more of an advertising for the entertainment industry yeah they're used i think comic book and sci-fi conventions were the first sort of what you would call pop culture conventions you know the star trek conventions i think were the first real you know media type conventions and then the comic book conventions came out of that and now it's and uh, i know gen con was going on at the time but it uh, yeah it's yeah, it's definitely. all spread out i think that the convention focuses have narrowed it it seems yeah they have the, kind of the small conventions have seems have narrowed and the big conventions have, have spread out so yeah. far that they're they're not anything like their original intent yeah. chicago comic-con and and San Diego Comic-Con being the good example. It really is a distinctly different experience going yeah. to a small convention and going to a large convention. And I would Definitely. highly suggest that you do both because you will find um, that you will love both of them for various different reasons. Yeah, and, and uh, we'll probably talk about it later, but let's not forget about swag. We have to talk about convention <laughs> swag. We'll make a note of that later right. on. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, uh, as Greg was saying, the, the bigger conventions try to be everything to everybody, where the smaller ones really kind of focus on, you know, they're going to focus on D&D, or they're going to focus on tabletop gaming, or or miniature gaming, and things like that. So you really have the run of the gamut, and with those uh, resources that we listed, you can pretty much find a gaming convention somewhere near you. Now, the other thing that distinguishes conventions from each other is uh, some conventions are for profit, like Gen Con's run by a company that basically just runs Gen Con. Yeah. Um, a lot of conventions are just run by individuals or a group of individuals. Uh, there's 
Hoosier Con, which is in Indianapolis. That one's free. It's a Hoosier Gamers. Uh, they have a Facebook site. Yes, and it's uh, not Hoosier as in like Hoosier the mascot, what? but who is your con? Con, yeah, yeah. So um, phonetically similar. That's mm-hmm. why they, they never it pass up. up a good pun. That's right. right. Um, so they do a an, you know incredible amount of work. That's a large, pretty large convention we put on on a on a charity basis or, or, or you know a, a not for profit basis. A donation um, but basis. But people do it because they love the hobby. Uh, and I don't know if I see a lot of difference from the players' perspective how the convention is is funded or paid for, whether it's for profit. But like I said, there are a lot of charity conventions. Um, and those you know, give you a good feeling. You're gaming and you're helping somebody else too. So it's sort right. of a win-win situation. Now, uh, so let's say we get to the convention. Uh, I think one of the big distinctions is uh, how we schedule our time. Like I yeah. said, a lot of those <laughs> places have uh, – uh, sign-ups online so you could fill every hour what did you do your last day Je- greg went to gen con for one day last year what did you do on your one day greg i spent my entire day on the sales floor seven and a half hours shopping and i didn't even make it through the whole place i was going through as fast as i could uh buying dice like there was no tomorrow greg has a dice problem i have and a dice we're trying if anybody knows a support group we need to yeah get we him. need a support i have group a giant me. online support group but they are not a positive no they're one. not a, they're enabling <laughs> your addiction <laughs> yes. greg they're enablers they're and not. that's what uh and that's going to happen to anybody who's never been to an event like gen con you're going to be plunked down in the middle of this convention with 70,000 other people all doing the same thing you're trying to do and you're going to go to this expo hall and it's going to be like you died and went to gamer heaven and your wallet has $40 in it. Yeah. Um, And you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel anxiety and you just don't know where to start. And if you have somewhere with all, you're going to start in aisle 100 and you're going to work as far away to the end of the uh, convention center, the expo hall, as you can. But as you said, you were there seven hours. Yeah, and and that's all I did. I mean, I I popped out of there. I didn't eat. I didn't sit down. I just walked those aisles for the entire day. Right. And and I didn't even get done. And I was only looking at things I like. And I have relatively narrowed interests. And still. Yeah. You know, now to to be fair, I did I did pop out into some other rooms a couple of times, saw some games in the open gaming area next to the exhibit hall, but I could have just spent the whole day in the exhibit yeah, hall. Yeah, and I think that's our first piece of advice if you've never been to a convention. If you go to a big convention, yeah. leave a lot of space in your schedule because there's going to be tons of other stuff for you to do. You know, like I said, I'm involved with the cosplay stuff, making stuff, not so much wearing it, but um you know, that can take an entire convention. Yeah. I wanted to watch the cosplay parade, but I was, you know, looking. Yeah, I was shopping. For dice. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> that's not true. I also was looking at dice bags and dice towers. Just <laughs> <laughs> to store his dice. Um, for me, I'm there, and I'm just talking Gen Con, and each of my convention attendances differs. Um, sometimes I'm there for one day, sometimes I'm there for the entire weekend, but Gen Con specifically, because that can be the one that requires the most amount of scheduling. I set up my schedule weeks in advance and I have a Excel file that breaks down from eight o'clock in the morning until midnight each day. And each hour is accounted for with different color coding and not only, uh, event, 
uh, location and time, but also its code so that I can search it online to make sure that it's you know hasn't changed or anything like yeah. that. And after you've been to a convention a couple times, that's the route you usually end up going. But that's, that first year, yeah, that's, that's thirteen years of experience exactly. of learning there. But your yeah. first year, it is basically being flexible and free with your time. Now on the flip side of that, I just went to a convention last weekend. I actually went for Friday and Saturday down near St. Louis, Roll Call, uh, down in Collinsville, Illinois. It was a, a charity convention, um, and I helped run run a game there. But in smaller conventions, if you leave dead space, oh. a lot of times there's nothing to do. You're, You're watching right. other people play games, which is, which is torture and, a lot of the times. So and yeah. I think that's the crux of our advice. If you're going to a big convention— leave time open if you're going to a small convention you better pack your schedule because at a small convention when there's no game that you're scheduled to play oftentimes there's not an open gaming session no, there's not enough people you're, you're hanging that. out at the shriners hall looking at the pictures of the old guys on the wall <laughs> yeah 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 that is very very true um so what do you like i mean we got big conventions you got little conventions what do you guys prefer well, um, I like I like a mix of both. Now I'm you know an exception to the case because Gen Con I work Gen Con. That now. is true. You you use it as a um, a profit making thing or at least a way to, to to fund your habit in other ways. Yeah, I, I'm hoping my my daughter ends up taking over. But she she's in the cosplay. First bunch of years I went to Gen Con. I played games, had a good time. She got into cosplay. Realized that uh, we had she and I. Mostly me. Um, she was still rather young at the time. Uh, developed a unique set of skills for building things out of foam and thermal plastic uh, and leather, and uh, decided that that was something other people should wanted be exposed to, to. They wanted to learn it. So we started offering these workshops, hugely popular, great feedback on them. This is the third year we're doing them this year. I'm already getting some inquiries from people. Um, so Gen Con has turned into a working convention for me, and I'm of two minds about that because it is a fun convention to go to, but you know, it's I, I make money to fund my gaming habit for the rest of the year, which is sort of nice. Mm -hmm. And Gen Con ends up being free for the rest of my family if I work the whole convention. Right. But you're not having a whole lot of fun though. No, I, I leave Gen Con usually pretty worn out, not for, for good reasons. Now, what about you, Greg? Are you going to Gen Con this year? I don't. I have not decided yet. I would like to go. Um, I don't know if I want to go to play or not, uh, because there are so many other things you can do at Gen Con. Like I said, the just watching the cosplayers, you know, the the sales floor. Um, and the thing about the sales floor, too, is you couldn't. It isn't just that you could shop there all day, but there are um, game companies pushing their games, especially a lot of really small new game companies maybe that started out on Kickstarter, and they're running demo games. That's how we discovered Super Fight a bunch of years ago, which is a great game for anybody that ever played oh, it. Oh, Super Fight's awesome. Yeah. And that's the that you could really do that. If you didn't want to pay the extra to play a game in uh, you know, in one of the sessions, you could walk around on the game floor or on the uh, exhibit floor and learn a new game every 30 minutes the whole day because Absolutely. these people want to teach you the game so you're interested in it, so you purchase it from them. And there's that, that's, I mean, you, you kind of picture it as this giant sales floor, but it's actually a giant game demo floor. Yeah, and I've had uh, tons of fun doing that. Yeah. And that's something that you don't normally get 
at a small convention. You, uh, yeah. The games are scheduled. They're games that have been published for a while, and you don't get people coming in and showing off new games and doing demos. Yeah, you might have some local vendors there to, you know, Mm. fix broken dice and sell you that character sheet you don't oh, have. And I just I don't like to just drop a game reference and leave people hanging. Super Fight is a card game where you draw cards and you essentially get like a hero and an ability and then you're against another player and you have to verbally describe why your hero and ability would defeat the other player and everyone at the table votes to see who would win. It's so you awesome might have game. a ninja who can run at the speed of sound versus a Tyrannosaurus Rex with a hovercraft. Uh, and sounds similar to another game, a card game called Story Wars. Yeah, it's uh, probably yeah. probably is, but it's a great party game. It was hugely popular when I brought it into the Boy Scout troop uh, a few years back when we got it. So if, if you have a, a non-gamer friends that might you know come over and looking for a social night super fight's a great game right. especially if you like to argue that's right <laughs> which i do <laughs> um, so so we've been talking a lot about gen con gen con's a good game it's sort of setting the the bar high but we didn't start at gen con oh certainly uh, oh heck no i actually had to make a phone call to a college friend of mine uh my first gaming convention was when I was an undergraduate, there was a gaming club at Illinois State University, and they used to run a gaming convention called Frontier Wars. I couldn't remember the name of it, but he reminded me. And I've heard um, of that. I recall that one. Yeah, and it was just a bunch of college kids and some people from the community sitting around the table. Uh, but my first experience was gaming once when I was a teenager. My DM went out to Gen Con, and I think it was still in Lake Geneva. That would have been a, in the late 70s. His dad took him out there they went on a road trip and he stopped at gen con and he brought me back a couple posters which of course i got rid of when i oh, yeah, fool. yeah second worst decision in my life <laughs> um, and i've made some doozies yeah but uh so that's where my gaming's all the way back in college what about you guys what was go ahead greg um actually my first game convention was the local one here in champaign uh winter war winter war has been running since the 70s it's the um the uh, local uh, the game uh, well, club it, used to run that. Yeah, the it tabletop, used to be a, a student CITW, I think. Yeah, it used and, to be a student organization, I believe. Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of pulled out of that a little bit, and there's just some local people who are consistent about uh, uh, pull, putting that on every year. I know personally most of the people who are either in charge of it in some way or another. And uh, back in the 80s and the early 90s, yeah, I used to go to that and uh, play oh. role-playing games. Big shout-out to uh, Susan McKinney. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's, she's really done but, a good job know, taking it, that over. You make me think, both of our conventions based in universities, Dungeons & Dragons caught fire on university and college campuses yeah, back yes. when it first started in 74. That's the, the early adapters. That's who started all the gaming conventions. What about you, Dean? Uh, mine was also Winter War. I discovered it um, when I was a student at uh, uh, the local community college, and I walked into the Foreign Language Building on the University of Illinois and thought, wow. And you know what? I was intimidated. Even though it was a small convention, I was still intimidated because I was unfamiliar with it. I was like, do I just walk in and play? How do I do this? And, you know, and then there was things to buy. And I think I mentioned in our first episode that my locality kept me from being able to buy things and, and kind of branch out into other role-playing games and such. Yeah. And, and then even when back I, then, there, was, there yeah. was a variety. Yeah, and then I saw all this stuff, and I was overwhelmed. And But I had a great time, and I've been going to it ever since. I think I've been attending Winter War is what we're talking about. I've been attending it since the mid 80s yeah same, and same uh, 
I think it's actually gotten better. And it is a small convention. We have maybe, what, 400 people attend? Yeah, something like that. I would, I would dump that if we were going to categorize things into a mid-sized convention yeah, in yeah, that it's, it's, not a, it's not a small fundraiser convention like Farmageddon that you're going to or a roll call. But it's not one of the gargantuan Gen Con conventions. But they have a, they have a dealer room, but it's a small one. Yes. Uh, it's a manageable size of people. Um, you know, it's it's local, but people do come from out of town to play. So. Right. Um, I talked to the uh, one of the he's since passed. His name's Don McKinney, and I talked to him about the history of it a little bit. And he said the the real reason, one of the big reasons that uh, um, they never had a lot of vendors and they don't have a lot of big names come to Winter War, and that's I think maybe the same for a lot of these smaller conventions is they don't want a game with the gods. They want to game what the gods gave them. And what I mean by the gods is the creators of the games and, and, you know, the people coming in and doing demos and stuff like that. And I think that's what really appeals to me is that these games are there and it's not a big uh, celebrity or social hoo-ha that we have to, you know, fight other people for. By the same token, uh, I think I mentioned last week I went to school, Normal Illinois, home of Game Designers Workshop. They did Traveler, Mark Miller. I had ever never actually spoken with Mark Miller, even though I was sort of in his orbit. I we all knew the same people, we gamed with the same people, just not an individual I never met. Um, went up to Gary Con, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He's sitting at a table, nobody around. I walk, hey, Mark, <laughs> I'm I'm Eric Hawley. I know so and so and so and so, and we had a pleasant conversation, which. You know, you're not going to be able to do that in a lot of different places. So sometimes those gaming gods are very accessible, and will, they love the hobby as much as you do, and they would they love to talk about especially if they made the game, they love to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, and he wasn't, uh, uh, Don wasn't denigrating the creators. Yeah, no, no. He was just saying his convention, or that convention, Winter War, is a game convention for gamers, and that is what it is. Um, so uh, we've been talking what Gen Con, Winter War. That's where we started, uh, at least for Greg and I. Yeah. Now you have an experience uh, that you went to a convention. I almost went to it, but I, I decided I just didn't, couldn't fit it in. Tesla Con. Tell us about that one. Okay. Tesla Con is, for the most part, primarily a steampunk convention. And you know, there's conventions of all kinds. You know, you've got motorcycle conventions. You've got you know, a, a car show is nothing more than a car convention. Right. Um, but TeslaCon is a steampunk immersion convention, and it takes place up in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Eric Larson is the uh, brainchild, or it is the brainchild of Eric Larson. And it is a really great convention where you spend the whole weekend kind of living in a storyline of this convention and there are vendors there there are panels there there are things to see things to do things to and but there's also a bit of gaming up there and the gaming is specifically geared towards the steampunk genre and you know everybody's in steampunk cosplay and stuff like that and it's it's interesting because um there's a lot of uh gaming that is being now uh 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 designed for specific likes yep. in our subcultures. Yeah, which brings us to uh, you play a computer game. I've played it, but you're really into <laughs> yeah. Artemis. Yes, Artemis is a, think Star Trek. It's a starship bridge simulator. You've got a captain. You've got a weapons officer. You've got a helmsman. You've got an engineer. You've got a science officer, and you've got a communications officer. And right now there's a, a VR of Star Trek, but this one is... It's 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 not as flashy 
and it's not as highly uh, designed with uh, uh, graphic designs and stuff like that. But you have to work together to play the game. And a small, very hardcore cadre of fans have put together this convention, and they've done four conventions. And it's maybe populated by 80 to 90 people, and we play a single game through land, uh, land-wired connections for three days straight. A single game. That's crazy. And it is That's some awesome. of the most fun that I've... You would think you'd get sick of you know playing the same game over and over again. Yeah. But you're playing on different bridges, different crew members and stuff like that. And the game is always different because everybody responds to the game differently. And it's up in uh, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. That'd be over. Yeah, over. It, yeah. It, it always takes place in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, over in. You know, I'm from the Midwest, and I'm below <laughs> Chicago where I live, so everything's up. up. <laughs> For my mom, everything was down. Every, she would go down everywhere, and I always said that's because she lived at the top of the world. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so, uh, shout out to Artemis. I brought, I set up an Artemis uh, set up at a Boy Scout gathering, and one of the good things about Artemis, Artemis is you have a captain. And the captain coordinates the entire bridge crew. And if they're not very good or the bridge crew doesn't listen, you die. Yes. And as a lesson in leadership and following instructions, it was so much fun to watch those Boy Scouts because they like to argue. 12, 13, 14-year-old mm-hmm. boys, they don't want to listen, and they die. And they die until they listen. And it's sort of an interesting teaching tool for for leadership and being part of a team. It was a very interesting experience. It, it was, was fun to watch. Um, and before we get off, or before I stop talking about the Artemis Convention, a very good friend of mine who I played the game with, and I call him a good friend because our relationship is built around the Artemis thing. And um, we are... He said something about conventions that is very true to me. At a convention, I get to do the things I don't ever get to do anywhere else. You know, I can go and play games with my friends, but at some of these conventions, I get to do things that I've never been able to do or play games I've never been able to play and or different ways of playing the game. And that's what conventions are to me, a way to do and play games that I've never done before. I've actually gone through a shift recently. I used to go to conventions to play my favorite game, whatever that happened to be at the time. Mm-hmm. That's the game I wanted to play. I want to spend the weekend playing that. Now I go to conventions to play games I never get to play any other time. And I've done the same thing. Because I can get my fill of gaming for D&D, 5th edition, uh, but there's not a lot of people running 1st edition. And yeah. there's games I played, you know, Traveler I played at the last Gary Con, uh, Original Traveler, uh, Battletech. Hadn't played that in, in ages. A uh, new Battletech computer game just came out uh, that they, they published. So Dawn Patrol, the, First World War. Dawn Patrol. Dogfighting. Yeah. yeah. So that's another aspect of conventions that, you know, look through the convention catalog, the event listings, and say, hey, you know what? Is that a game? And they will usually say newcomer friendly if it's a game that it, most of them yeah. are. Occasionally, if you're playing Advanced Squad Leader, probably not newcomer friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I've always been pretty good about that. Even back in the '80s, I would play a couple of games that I was used to playing, and then I would play a couple of games that I didn't have a group with or wanted to give a try. You know, I'd schedule a couple of champion sessions and then play Vampire the Masquerade back when that was new, which I had never—that's the only time I've ever played that. Was at uh, as at Winter War. And, I, uh, I don't know how many of our listening audience have been to these conventions, but uh, a convention can. Uh, 
our experiences have all been positive, I yeah. think. Yeah. I've had only one bad experience, and it wasn't because of the convention. It was because of the a particular organization at a convention. But uh, my experiences have always been that the people who are coming to these conventions, man, they know their game. They know how to play it. They know how to teach it, and it makes for a really great time. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, one of the things that I often hear talking about convention, regular convention, convention attendees will talk about gamer funk. Have you guys heard that that uh, phrase? Right. Yeah, gamer that, funk. And some people might have a little bit of bo, but oh, okay. You know, in thinking about, I don't think there's any more of a problem at conventions than anywhere else. I mean, I've gone to concerts, and there's, what would that be, concert funk? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? But, you know, a lot of times people focus on that. The one thing I will say, though, uh, another phrase they call convention crud. Um, If you're at a convention, keep your hands washed, careful, because if somebody just paid... $125 $125 for a convention badge, and they're not feeling well, they're probably still going to that convention and leaving their germs everywhere. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, like cruise ships and every place else, you get that many people in that close of an area, just, you know, wash your hands. That's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't expect to greet people with a handshake. More no. often than not, it'll be a fist bump or just a, a simple hello. That's right. And then a, a, a copious amount of uh, hand sanitizer. Um, another reason to go to conventions, and Greg, this will be his his swag. I do like the swag. Yeah, I I have not seen a freebie that I did not like. <laughs> yeah, how, how how much did you bring back from your last Gen Con? Uh, Gen Con, I scored well at Gen Con, and uh, and I was being good. Um, I've been to uh, you know my. Uh, uh, back in the 80s, and uh, I used to go to uh, an aviation convention, and I would almost need to bring an empty backpack of the free stuff that they would I would get there. Uh, Gen Con, I did pretty good. I uh, my uh, my my Think Geek uh, Gamer Convention bag, I arrived with it empty, and I left with it pleasantly, but not overly full. Um, sometimes you you get a lot of advertising brochures for games. That's a big thing now. Is you get the business card. It's got the URL for the company trick is you just got to remember which game it was um taking phone picks is important a lot of companies Um, give dice uh not giving away as many dice as i would have hoped Uh, Um, there's for you there's never (laughs) as many as you would have hoped that's true for us mere uh, mortals but uh, i i did score some dice and some pins i like buttons i've always been a button and pin guy Mm -hmm. Uh, i was hoping i uh had enough to cover my lanyard pretty well and uh that can be i used to do that because I thought, oh, look, you know, showing off all the swag. After a while, that became a pain in the butt because it was oh, it's unwieldy, it's heavy. It yes, it is. <laughs> and I was like, the next time I was like, ah, oh, screw that. I'm getting yeah. rid of all that That's stuff. the fun part for me, though. Yeah. I, uh, I I like the swag. So here's the, another aspect of swag. Um, like I said, last weekend I went to a convention and I ran a game. I ran one game four hours mm-hmm. of the convention, and I got a free Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Apparently, Wizards of the Coast had supported that convention because it was for charity. They gave them a stack of them, and anyone who ran uh, part of the epic adventure uh, that they had on Saturday night. So for four hours, I got a $30 book. Yeah. And that's um, something that—go oh, ahead. Greg. Yeah, no, I did really well at, uh, at GaryCon. I played a couple of different Call of Cthulhu sessions, and I ended up with a Cthulhu— uh, Adventure, and I ended up with the Core Investigators Rulebook. That was a forty-five dollar rulebook, and uh, and I walked out of my U two and Cthulhu session with uh, an Investigators Guide, and I and that's as one, a player, right? And that was as a player. Yeah, I was just playing. 
Now, yeah. many, many. Uh, but they had they were spo- they were sponsored. Uh, Chaosium had given both of those games um, uh, stuff to give away. And you, it kind of begs you the question: Where do all these game masters come from? It is because they love the games and they want to share their love of the games. But for many of them, there's some rewards if you work long enough. And I say work with air quotes because you know you're playing a game. But if you do enough hours of a session, oftentimes the convention will either comp your your entrance into the convention or maybe even some of your lodging. Um, and in the case of Eric, who actually runs a business at Gen Con, um, you can share some of that. Yeah, uh, I have people who help me. So a Gen Con badge, $125. Well, I'm hauling around tons of tools and material. I mean, my, I run workshops. They're hands-on. So everybody's doing something. I need, you know, 12 sets of razor blades, heat guns, cutting boards. So I have people who just basically haul stuff for me. And, and they, you they compensate make, them with the stuff that you with, are compensated with. a free with. badge. Gen Con gives me a set of free badges. I can then mm-hmm. allocate them to the people who are helping me. And... That doesn't take the whole convention, obviously. I think to get a Gen Con badge, you have to 16 run— 16 hours. 70 player hours. Okay. Right? So well, I mean, as a volunteer, 16 hours. Yeah, vo- volunteer, yeah. yeah. So so a lot of conventions have that set up where they'll reimburse you or give you credit or something. And that kind of gets into a, something how? we're going to be talking about is— How do we afford it? How do you afford to go to these conventions? Now, um, who's your con? Free. It's going to cost you a trip to Indianapolis and maybe some lodging. Yeah, uh, Gary Con was what seventy five dollars for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, the badge was seventy five bucks for the four days. Yeah, yeah. and that then was, of course, that's a good deal. The hotel drive. is what normally gets you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like we said, Gen Con two hundred dollars a night, right? Two two fifty, right? But it's a four person room, so it so makes sense to share. Share. I mean, if you can share, and truthfully, you're not spending a lot of time in that yeah. room anyway. If you're really yeah. enjoying the convention. That is a nerd classic. How many people can you cram into a hotel room? When I went to the Artemis convention and I shout out to my friend Adam Para. Hey Adam, hope you're listening. Um, he shared his room. His uh, his uh, cousin and my son and I and him shared a, uh, a room and it was 50 bucks for the entire weekend. That makes a room very affordable. So if you yeah. can do that, if you can find people who are willing that and you can share a room so with them. most conventions will have a convention room block where the convention's being held with a discounted rate if you can get in there that's usually the enough. best way because that's going to be a decent rate and you're right there it's nothing better than waking up walking out your door and rolling some dice oh god yes um some conventions, though, when I registered for the one last weekend, they didn't have any left. I, it was a sort of, I decided late to do it. So I just went to Expedia. And, you know, it wasn't a hugely uh, crazy town, not a big convention. And I think it was $75 for one night to stay, stay in a room. I went down by myself because all my friends had plans that weekend. If I could have brought somebody down, it would have been $40. We would have split gas and 10 bucks or whatever to get in. Here's one way that my wife has kind of worked the system. Um, I would suggest being loyal to a particular rewards program, be it Wyndham or Hilton or Marriott, Marriott, whatever, (laughs) um, because you're going to stay in other places for other things, family vacations, weddings, whatever. And then if you want to use those points on something that's going to potentially cost you more, now granted, sometimes for conventions they don't accept that, but if you do it right and you look hard enough, you will find it. Um, when I went to GaryCon, I paid $15 for my room. Wow. Yeah. 
and that's pretty cheap logic. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing we're, we're probably going to do uh, next year, we already have the reservations for this year's Gen Con, but we're getting a large enough group now that we need multiple rooms uh, because kids are bringing friends. And I, I'm i part of the VIG program, very important gamer, so I get first dibs on hotel rooms. La-dee-da. I know, la dee wow. We're in the, in the presence of greatness, aren't we? Yeah, that's why I'm sitting over but here. It costs you $650 <laughs> for the badge. But I know that I'm going to get an attached room. And the reason that's important for me is because I have all that stuff I hauled yeah. at Gen Con for the classes. And that makes sense. So, But one of the advantages to that is if we need another room, it doesn't need to be attached. It can be out by the airport because... Mm-hmm. If somebody needs to drop stuff off or wants to take a short You've nap, got a base of we've, operations. we've got a room right yeah. attached to the convention center. So that's that's another way to help reduce costs. Yeah, Not that, everybody needs to be there. You just have to have – because it's nice to have a place to drop off your stuff or take a short break. Everything we're talking about is basically leveling up in our con experience. That's right. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was what was nice about Gary Con is, you know, you'd haul around all your D&D books all morning, go back to the room, drop them off. You and know, when we stayed else. at the bar till 2 a.m. That was nice, too. You, you didn't have to drive home. back to the room. Yeah. Now, here's um, – for me, I've never stayed – I mean, I guess I've stayed in a downtown hotel, but it was a mile from the convention center, so I guess that's still considered, you know, downtown, I suppose. Um I don't think of actually, except for Winter War, and that doesn't really count, I've never stayed in the here. same hotel. Yeah, same hotel as the convention. And I've never found it to be a problem because, one, I'll either walk, or two, I spend so very, very little time at the hotel, and I guess I just will will hump my stuff wherever yeah. I need to take it. So I, I do it to avoid wife aggro. <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't think staying a mile away is an option. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I think it's um, it's it's part of like an immersion experience too. I mean, when we did Gary Con, and that's the only that's the only overnight convention experience I've ever had. Everything else I've done, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Back, you know, I did some uh, Chicago Comic Cons in the '80s where you know they cram six we cram six or eight uh, uh, smelly comic nerds into a room for three days, and um, but up there. It was great. We went. We walked into that building at what seven thirty in the morning on Thursday, and didn't see the sun until four o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. So that was just four days of you gamed, you slept, you hung out with other gamers, and it's it's that, just that very sounds cool. like our childhoods a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's but true. Uh, it was it was just very. It was, that was a nice thing. It's just uh, the world outside didn't exist. You didn't have to worry about anything that was going on. You were just totally immersed in that gaming experience. Regardless, oh, go ahead. You you look like I you're said, the other way you can save money is not going for the whole time. Right, yeah. right. So when I went down last weekend, I could have stayed Saturday night, but they didn't have a lot going on Sunday. And a lot of conventions, people start clearing out on Sunday, so it tends to be a slow day anyway. So if you're going to a convention for the first time, maybe maybe cut out that extra night hotel stay. Yeah. Here's how I save for my convention going, and it's primarily for the big expensive ones. At the end of the week, on a Friday, if I have any money in my pocket, and this is legit, if I have any money in my pocket, I put it away. Every Friday. And now I'm specifically saving for Gen Con because that's the most expensive one. But I've already saved enough to pay for my lodging. And I've paid a little Very extra cool. to be able to buy an extra badge. Normally I buy the badges for my wife and family. But I've saved enough to pay for our lodging and a badge. So basically, you know, it's guilt-free 
gaming. And that's what I like about going to these things is if I can save up enough money and it doesn't cost me or my wife or, you know, a lot of money out of our bank account, that's guilt-free gaming. And so that's how I do it. Every Friday, even if it's a buck or 50 cents, sometimes I get lucky and it's 10 bucks. I throw it into a pot. Yeah, and if you know people who are going, right, if somebody would have asked me to come down to uh, convention, I had, and there was another bed in a hotel room, said, I'll give you 20 bucks to stay in your room. I would have taken it because that's 20 bucks I wouldn't have anyway. No, so yeah. if you really are hard up for cash, gamers help gamers. You know, yes. I know who's. It's all who you know. And that's, uh, I think that's part of the biggest reason what you just said. Gamers help gamers. Gamers are there to play. That's why I love going to conventions. Um I really enjoy going to conventions because it is, it's a shared love and uh, man, when that much good emotions and stuff is going out through that, you know, the entire and you meet building, some great people, and you meet great people. Yeah, um, it's just so much fun. Some people don't get it. Some people go and I hear them complaining and talking about their convention experience, and I'm like, you are doing it wrong. Yeah, you are something is not right, or you're just that cranky old person yeah. in the first place and not only that nothing against greg who's part of my normal table <laughs> who is but a cranky old person against me, yeah. you know when when you're playing fifth edition with the same group of guys every week or every other week whatever you play sometimes it's nice to play with brand new people you've never played with and say yeah. wow that that person does yeah. that really really you know you learn something yeah that's learn. why it's that's just, why i had a really good time at gary con is yeah. because i i the four days we were there i scheduled three games with people that i knew and the rest of the time it was with uh, total strangers although by sunday i was actually playing with the same bunch of people yeah, and we knew who the they were people. and uh, you know i had a couple of the same game masters and a couple of the same players and that, and that started to be kind of cool yeah so, I mean, what do you guys think makes a good convention? When you get back and say, oh, my God, that was a great convention, makes you want to go back. Well, a lot of it is just what I said, that whole experience, that shared experience. But I would have to say that I really got jazzed. I had never been to GaryCon before. Eric had told me about it. Um, you went last year. Yeah, I got my GaryCon shirt on today yeah. just for the podcast. Um, and so I thought, you know what? I've heard of it. It sounds cool. It's not that far of a drive because, you know, four hours is not a big deal to Americans. You do that in Europe and they look at you crazy. Uh, you do that in Europe and you're in, uh, you know, Asia. A different country. Um, but uh, uh, what was really great about it was the effort that went into every game I played by the people who were running the game to make it as fun as possible and as easy to learn the game if I hadn't played it in a long time or I've never played it before. And I left there just really jazzed to come back again the next yeah, time. Yeah, reinvigorates your... Yeah. And yeah, I, I totally had the exact same experience because this year that was my first Gary Con. And yeah, I had a just a uh, endless bunch of game masters, people I didn't know, and they were all so excited to present the best experience that they could. And I, I had a couple of amazing role playing experiences. And that's one of the things there was a there is we did talk about the barrier to entry for players, but there's a little bit of a barrier to entry for game masters, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because it sort of self selects your better game masters. Yes, You're not going to run yeah. a game at a mm -hmm. convention unless one you have experience with the system, and you're comfortable running that game. Yeah, you do not. There's a lot of pressure because I've done game mastering at conventions. Um, there's a lot of pressure to be good because there's yeah. an expectation from those people who have paid good money to come in and have a pleasurable experience. Got to put on your A game. And yep. I've had some bad experiences a couple of times. 
it wasn't enough to ruin the convention. And I'll be flat out honest, I've never had a bad convention experience. I've had a couple of small yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, you run internal into experiences. But Gen Con, Gary Con, Winter War, Tesla Con, uh, Comic Con. I've been to In Conjunction, which is an uh, Indianapolis seems to have a lot of conventions. Well, we are in the heartland of the RPG yeah, industry. I yeah. mean, this is where it started. There's yeah, a, we're kind of in the middle magic of triangle. Yeah, magic triangle. Magic yep, triangle between yeah. Wisconsin, Champaign, Illinois, and Minnesota. And Min- yeah, yeah, and it's whole, it's right um, there in the middle. And um, now they get, especially now that uh, Gen Con is in Indy, Judges Guild out in Decatur. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So I've never had a bad convention experience and i've always left having a good time so i i do every convention to me is a good con if yeah. i had a good time yeah that's it for and me. it's contagious because it i went to gary con two years ago yeah. i came back and you both went to gary con this year and i'm sure next year we're yeah. gonna have oh heck if yeah. everybody can get in because you know it's running into a little bit of size yeah size issue just yeah. like gen con did back in the day right, that's why right. they moved it yep so um for me, never had a bad experience at a game convention, and I highly encourage anybody who's listening to this who's never been to one, find a small one in your neck of the woods, be it an hour or two hours away, and just give it a shot. Yeah. Go to one. Now, as a segue, we talked about GMing at conventions, and one of our upcoming podcasts, maybe the next one, we're going to be talking about GMing. Yep. What, how, what our feelings on that are, what we think is, you know, the... When you say GMing, and we got to talk about this, is it... Game mastering or is it dungeon mastering? I say game mastering, except when I talk about D and D, and then I say dungeon mastering. Okay, good. Because I know a lot of people who call a dungeon master the game master, and not just yeah. How do you dungeon master a you know a traveler campaign? That doesn't work. Well, no, I understand, but yeah, but when someone calls a a game of DM or the the judge for a D D and D game. They call it the GM, and that just bugs yeah, me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's throwback. I've always used them interchangeably. Evil, evil. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's, we're going to, you know, like I said, we have to discuss what we're going to do for the next one, but uh, that might very well be it. Have you had a bad experience, a bad um, convention? One, organized play is hit or miss. Um, and by that, there's a the Pathfinder Society, Adventures League. Uh, Gen Con, it's put on by a company, uh, Baldman Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they get paid to do this. They make money at it. And what they do is they offer free badges for people who run their games for them. And uh, years ago, probably three years ago, I sat down at a table and the GM said, this is my second time running fifth edition. And I said, well, that's going to be interesting. That would not make um, me feel good. It was not a good game. But... You know, we still played. We did what we were going to do and live and learn. You, you never know. I still got to play D&D. You were I practically played worse running games. the thing by the end of the game, I'd imagine. Well, yeah, he didn't know how to pronounce Mephit. So. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You know, Greg, you mentioned something. That happened to me at the last Gen Con. I signed up to play a game. And because it's sometimes the organizers or the groups who come and get paid to play these games don't know what is really going on sometimes their left hand doesn't know what their right hand is doing we were there was eight people who showed up for a game that never came to the table oh my and i really wanted to play it my son and daughter were there with me and i was like we're gonna play this game so we went and found a copy we went to the hq and i ran the game now we should have been compensated. Said, they should have comped your badge. They should not the not necessarily the badge, <laughs> but at least you know the cost of the tickets. Um, but like I, it, I just took over running the game because the game master either never showed or they didn't know what to do, and we all had a great time. 
So yeah. I mean, it's you even, gotta, even you, a bad convention still a convention, and yeah. yeah, usually it turns out pretty well. A bad day of having fun is still a day of having fun. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's really wise of you. You just rolled your wisdom. I did. Score. Yeah. So uh, can I can I put in my my DMs Guild minute here? Is this a yeah, good spot? Sure, yeah, go this is a good yes. spot. We're so, coming to the end of our hour. Yeah. So uh, you know, we try to promote stuff on Dungeon Masters Guild, fifth edition D and D site. Uh, and this week, I, we just want to sort of briefly talk about the stuff that's free on DMs Guild. And there's a um, lot of stuff. Dean, you had downloaded one recently that you're using. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that one. It is uh, basically the player's quick guide or quick combat guide. And it's a one-page PDF of on your turn, your PC gets six seconds to do. And it's basically a flow chart of what you can do. And um, most of my players know this stuff. But every once in a while, it bogs down. It's like, "Uh, can I do this and this? Yeah, I play with a guy on Wednesday night, and his turn always takes longer than everybody else's. Yeah, that that six seconds turns into four minutes. Yeah, and Uh, it's the same. I I have his character memorized. He's got plus six to hit, plus six damage. Right. That's a very cool chart. Yeah, and it's really easy to do. I mean, it's, it's, or not to do, but to follow, it's really great. So, as you know, on your turn you get to do and you follow the flow chart you can one move up to your speed broken up as desired uh one action your turn's main action and that has other lists of that was put up by a guy named adam hancock adam hancock Um, provides it for free you can just go download it there's a couple other things uh critical hit critical fumble tables a lot of those up there people generate their tables if you're wanting to homebrew that why reinvent the wheel? It's already there. Uh, yeah. Custom character sheets with different themes. Yes. You love a custom character always, sheet. Oh, yeah. Well, mm. Greg's the artist of us, so. Yeah. Um, and, and soon there will be uh, uh, business cards to hand out. Not that our listening audience will have them, but we'll post it so they can see it. Yeah, and some of it's pay what you will, truthfully. Um, I post stuff on DM Skills, pay what you will. You get about five cents per copy, so people generally don't pay, and that's the expectation when you post it. There was, you know, if you if you have money to pay, you think it's worth something, sure, throw the author some money. But uh, good thing about pay what you will, you can download it first and then decide, um, and say, right. you know what, I'm going to give them, even if it's fifty cents, it adds up. Um, so there's a lot of great resources up there for free or pay what you will on uh, dmsguild.com. Uh, go check it out, and uh, next week I'll have a, a full review of a, a new product, and uh, we'll continue with this. All right. Any last yeah. words that we want? I was going to throw out there that, and they're not actually a sponsor. We're just talking about DMs. Yeah, Guild we just like them, we yeah. like it. Yeah. It's a really <laughs> excellent uh, uh, resource. Yeah, and, they. Uh, uh, you know, I, was, I don't. I don't DM, but I use. I use it. My home game. I needed some Fey, and I was like, man, I need some Fey because they're going to go into the Fey Wild. This was uh, two years ago, and when DMs Guild. Three supplements, all about fey with fey creatures. Some of them weren't the best balance, but I can tweak them. You know, it saves me having to start from scratch. Do um, I still owe that queen a favor? I don't. I don't remember. You do. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> the fey queen Damn. killed her her husband. Yeah. All right. Well, we we're it. coming up on the end of our hour. So um, for the grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler, and I want to throw out there, too, that uh, if you want to get a hold of us, the easiest way to find us is on Facebook. Uh, just search for The Grognards. That's G-R-O-G-N-A-R-D-S. Uh, on Instagram, we are The underscore Grognards. On Twitter, we are at T Grognards. And if you can't find any of those and you're dying to send us an email, we are gamers at The Grognards. We are all over the Internet now. 
Wow, we're official. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, uh, we'll have more listeners as time goes on. Yeah. We've got a pretty good reception now. And um, with yeah, that we email. We have one fan. Yeah. And with that email, um, send us some su- su- uh, If I could talk. Suggestions, perhaps? Suggestions. There you go. <laughs> for the Grognards, that's a wrap for episode number two. Until next time. <laughs>